the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. Monday, October 2nd, 2023. Where did this year? It's October. We're in the final quarter of the year. Good Lord, how did that happen? January seems like yesterday. It's a whole thing about time. I was instructed by a dear friend of mine, Steve. He knows you. David, you know my friend Steve. Really a wonderful wonderful thought about time from T.S. Eliot we'll talk about. Anyway, welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I am Seth Liebson. Got Mr. Bill to my, I don't know anymore. He's to my west. David Dahl is to my north. Miss Terry is to the north of him. 602-508-0960. No matter where you are, that number will work to have you join the show if you'd like to. We welcome Mr. David Dahl back, my producer. He had a uh, Friday uh, getaway and was uh, not with us on Friday. We'll get caught up on all that in due course. A lot of news transpired over the weekend. I, I don't know if any of you saw the interview about an hour and a half, I think, with Robert Kennedy and Dennis Prager in uh, one of the Dennis Prager fireside chats. You did, Mr. Bill. I'd love your thoughts on it, actually, if you want to join us at some point later in the show today or tomorrow. <clears throat> Fascinating. I'll say this about Robert Kennedy. Uh, agree or disagree, and I mostly— I think I agree with him on like two things, <laughs> and ardently so. You too? <laughs> you too? Yeah. Okay, Mr. Bill's nodding. We agree with him very much on two things. Um, but agree or disagree with him, um, I will say this. I don't think there's another Democrat in the party I've seen. I mean, they may exist, but I haven't seen them that can talk at length like that with such depths of understanding and knowledge. I mean, the guy's an impressive intellectual. Again, say what you want. Intellectual doesn't make you right or left. In this case, I think he's mostly of the left. But his ability to have long, winding conversations about fairly complex things is dang impressive. It's dang impressive. Um, does that work in politics? Do people want that anymore? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It works for some, and it doesn't work for others. So— there's that. And the spe- and of course, the speculation is, and he's left hints that he's going to be running as an independent. He's going to make an announcement, I guess, in the next week or so uh, that he claims will be a major announcement. Most of the speculation is that he'll be running as an independent. I've been trying to sort out with uh, friends, and I'd love to sort out with the audience, too. Does that hurt the Republicans more, the Democrats more? If Trump is the nominee, and I think the increase. I think daily it, the likelihood of Trump being the nominee is is uh, is increasing. Uh, I think – did I jumble that? I think Donald Trump will be the nominee. That's what I guess I'm trying to say, and the evidence keeps pointing in that direction. Anything could change. Anything could happen. The evidence points in the direction that Donald Trump will be the nominee. If Donald Trump is the nominee, does Robert Kennedy's independent candidacy hurt Donald Trump more? Does it hurt the Democrats more? Well, I think it depends a little bit on the Democrats. I think if the Democrats stay with Joe Biden, it hurts them more. Um, my working theory is this. For Republicans who have a hard 
time or a difficult time voting for Donald Trump. I think when they look at Robert Kennedy, they're not going to find anything in Robert Kennedy that they like more than they dislike in their inability or in their unwillingness to vote for Donald Trump. That is to say, it's not going to be on policy differences. And there's a lot that Robert Kennedy, if you're a Republican or at least a serious thinking Republican, there's nothing in Robert Kennedy's platform that really satisfies you, I don't think, or that really gives you much encouragement. Uh, the only thing that you know you look to him for, if you're a Republican, is his position on you know big pharma and elite institutions and the shutdowns. Uh, you get all of that, I think, um, and he's good on the border for a Democrat, but is he better on the border than any other Republican? No. Um, and who do you think he will surround himself with? That becomes a very important question. Who do you think he will surround himself with? Do you think he'll surround himself with conservatives or do you think he'll surround himself with leftists? I think the standard Robert Kennedy voter is this. People aren't sure who it is. Here's my thinking as to who it is. You know, we've interviewed a lot of these people, by the way, over the last three years. There were a lot of Democrats who were so offended by the shutdowns, and a lot of them lost their jobs. I'm thinking of, uh, say, Jennifer Say at Levi Strauss, for example. Uh, I'm thinking of the restaurant owners in Los Angeles who were interviewed a bunch on Fox News who were mostly not political but became political because of Gavin Newsom's shutdown and lockdown regime. I think a lot of them go to Robert Kennedy. I think a lot of them go to Robert Kennedy because a lot of them aren't quite ready to be Republicans yet, aren't quite ready to vote for a Republican yet. And there will be an awful lot of pressure in these communities not to vote for Donald Trump. So Robert Kennedy gives them their out. These are votes that otherwise would probably not take place. They probably wouldn't vote that line. That's my working operational theory right now. I could be very wrong, and I would love your input. I think Robert Kennedy still to this moment, regardless of all that's been said and done, is still a problem for the Democratic Party and not the Republican Party. Uh, that's my thinking on all that. My thinking about what's going on in Congress right now is open to your thoughts. But this is a week that Republicans should have owned. This is a week, particularly with the Jamal Bauman fire alarm situation case, that Republicans should have been all out on. And instead, we're going to be cannibalizing ourselves over a leadership fight that I don't think is going to eventuate in any major changes. That's my concern. Tell me again if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, let me know. But the Jamal Bowman thing is something that we should have been stuffing down the Democrats' throats, the way that they have been stuffing down, you know, Republicans, other Republicans from New York, for example, who don't belong in Congress because of their immaturity. Um, the, they, they have been on tears against Republicans who they don't think deserve to be in Congress, who should be censured or removed from Congress. Um, they have been doing this with... Um, 
and well, they've certainly been doing it with Lauren Boebert. They've certainly been doing it with Marjorie uh, Taylor Greene. But George Santos, George Santos was really the millstone that I think weighed heavily or the most heavily around our neck. And it turns out, I think what Jamal Bowman did is much worse. It looks like he committed a felony. At a minimum, he disrupted the operations of a federal government procedure, which is what people are sitting in jail for doing for many, many years, though they did nothing more than be in the wrong place at the wrong time on a date known as January 6th, 2021. There's an irony about the January 6th analogy. And it's a curiosity of sorts to me that no one else has pointed this out. Not so far that I've seen or heard anyway. Maybe someone else has. But for all this talk about what is protected speech and what is not protected speech, particularly with what constitutes insurrection and what doesn't constitute insurrection, and when you add the January 6th element to it, and whether Donald Trump is guilty of inspiring it or instigating it or guilty in any other sense of the word for uh, encouraging it. The contours of free speech have changed over the years by dint of Supreme Court precedent. And most political speech is now protected. Most of it is protected under a 1969 case, 1969 case, that says Political speech is not protected if it, lead, if, if, if it is speech that causes reckless imminent danger. But until then, and really ever since then, what most people say is you can't falsely yell fire in a crowded theater. Whatever free speech rights obtain, you can't fa- falsely shout fire in a crowded theater. This is exactly what Jamal Bowman did. You cannot get a closer analog to falsely shouting fire in a crowded theater than what Jamal Bowman did. No fire, big crowd, federal government operations in the House of Representatives pulling a fire alarm. He broke the standard by which everyone agrees and measures as unprotected behavior and speech. Literally. Literally. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. 602-508-0960. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 602-508-0960. David, you have so much to share with us. We're just going to have to do it in uh, in dribs and drabs. You were off for your birthday. Uh, oh, I have a shout-out for a birthday. A dear friend named Andrew has his birthday today. So happy birthday to Andrew as well. Happy birthday to Andrew in the audience. Happy birthday to Andrew in our audience. Um, may your best days of last year, Andrew, be as your worst days of this year. That's my wish for you, as it was my wish for you, young David. And I appreciate it, yes. I visited a uh, a... <laughs> I visited somewhere that you've not visited yet. Yeah, is I guess the best way to put this. I I went to Margaritaville. I was wasting away in Margaritaville. Oh, I've been to Margaritaville. And I found I've been to Margaritaville. I have been to Margaritaville. And I found my lost jigger of salt. You actually <laughs> yeah, went yeah. to the restaurant Margaritaville. I went to the real deal. You yeah. went to the real. I deal. went to the real deal. And believe it or not, that's my second time at a Margaritaville. <laughs> oh, is that right? <laughs> that's right. I've well, been you, to the one in Palm Springs before. Well, you were very nice to bring me back a souvenir. You I br- did. I brought. 
you back a uh, a blender yeah. of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was very kind of you. So it's now joining my desk of other paraphernalia that it's, people have brought me over yes, the years. Yes, for the, for the listening audience, it's positioned neatly between an idol of uh, Sasquatch yeah. and a uh, record of Linda Ronstadt. That you gave me. <laughs> yes. yes. Ha- it's almost as if a quarter of that desk is things you've given me. Folks, if you ever come to the office... For whatever reason. It's a stop on the tour. It's a stop on the tour. My desk is, what what what, what would you say? It's just filled with paraphernalia of books. It's and, not a desk. It's a display table. It's a, it's a museum, really. Yes. It's a museum of my life. What's on there? Everything from Sasquatches to records and music and great books. Newspapers. A lot of the newspapers. Some newspapers, mm-hmm. uh, some old William Buckley columns also from you. Uh, pictures of Dagny, the Wonder Dog, yes. Maynard Ferguson, all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's my desk. We'll talk more to you about uh, about um, about your trip. Where where was this Margaritaville, by the way? This particular Margaritaville was the one on the Las Vegas Strip. Yeah, I've been there too. Okay, <laughs> all right. I was saying that this is a week. Thank you. <laughs> we'll come back to that too. I was saying that um, this is a week Republicans should have dominated in the news dominated the news, particularly with what Jamal Bauman did. And, and, and the level, the ala- God, there's this great line in The Great Gatsby. I was amazed at the elaborateness of the lie and uh, that Nick Carraway says. And um, I was amazed at the elaborateness of the lie that Jamal Bauman said. This former high school principal, by the way, who said he didn't realize that the fire alarm was a fire alarm, even though it's red and says fire alarm. He said he thought it would be a lever to open the doors with. He's in his second term in Congress, by the way, um, and his, what, 38th year of human life or 40th year of human life? I don't know how old he is. A school principal doesn't know what a fire alarm is, never mind a congressman. <clears throat> Jonathan Turley is, uh, is, uh, was, is what I wanted to lead up to. He testified about the process to open up an impeachment inquiry last week. And he laid out 10 reasons, 10 items for the justification of opening up an impeachment inquiry. And this is the kind of thing that should be more circulated. So I thought in an effort to re-grab the mantle of us being on offense, I would give you his 10 reasons. This is the law professor at Georgetown, Democrat law professor at Georgetown. Item one, Hunter Biden and his associates were running a classic influence peddling operation using Joe Biden as what Devon Archer called the brand. All of this, by the way, is footnoted over at JonathanTurley.org. While this was described as, quote, an illusion of access, close quote, millions of dollars were generated for the Bidens from some of the most corrupt figures in the world, including associates who were later accused of or convicted of public corruption. It's a hell of an item. Number two. Some of the Biden clients pushed for changes impacting United States foreign policy and relations, including help in dealing with a Ukrainian prosecutor, Viktor Shokin, investigating corruption. That's a hell of a charge. Do you remember how many times we heard about during the campaign that that Don Jr. met with someone from Russia to discuss an adoption, change of law over adoptions? Never took place. I mean, it never happened. Item three, President Biden has made false claims about his knowledge of these dealings repeatedly, including insisting that he had no knowledge of Hunter's foreign dealings, which Archer has declared patently false. 
The Washington Post and other media outlets have also declared the president's insistence that his family did not take money from China as false. Again, all of this is footnoted. The president had been aware for years that Hunter Biden and his uncle James, which is to say Joe's brother, were accused of influence peddling, including an audio tape of the president acknowledging a New York Times investigation as a threat to Hunter Biden. Item. President Biden was repeatedly called into meetings with these foreign clients and was put on speakerphone. He also met these clients and foreign figures at dinners and meetings. Item. Emails and other communications show Hunter repeatedly invoking his father to secure payments from foreign sources. And in one such message, he threatens a Chinese figure that his father is sitting next to him to coerce a large transfer of money. Item. A trusted FBI source recounted a direct claim of a corrupt Ukrainian businessman that he paid a bribe to Joe Biden through intermediaries. Item. Hunter Biden reportedly claimed that he had to give half of his earnings to his father, and other emails state that intermingled accounts were used to pay bills for both men, including a possible credit account that Hunter used to allegedly pay prostitutes. Item. At least two transfers of funds to Hunter Biden in 2019 from a Chinese source listed the president's home in Delaware, where Hunter sometimes lived and conducted business. Item. Some of the deals negotiated by Hunter involved potential benefits for his father, including office space in Washington. At least nine Biden family members reportedly received money from these foreign transfers, including grandchildren. For Hunter Biden, this included not just significant money transfers, but gifts like expensive diamonds and a luxury car. These are only some of the serious corruption allegations facing the president, but each one could raise impeachable conduct if a nexus is established to the president. And as I say, all of these uh, items, all of these uh, uh, charges are all of these... 10 facts are substantiated at jonathanturley.org, are footnoted at jonathanturley.org. This is the kind of thing that needs to be put through our echo chamber, and not the echoes of fights that were lost in January within our own party. We should be scoring touchdowns right now. We should be scoring touchdowns and in fact we're playing defense because we're too interested in being on offense against members of our own party i don't know how that's going to work out for a year and a month from now but it's not putting us in a very strong position you're either on offense or on defense and right now we're putting ourselves on defense we'll be right back Heidi Ho, welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. John Dombrowski of Grand Canyon Planning Associates, where he is president and founder, uh, joins us for our culture and economy update. His website is grandcanyonplanning.com. Great website, great way to reach out to him. Happy Monday, John. How are you? Fantastic, Seth. Thank you. All right. We've done this before. This is always still a curiosity for me, and someday, sometime I'll get it into my head. <laughs> but yes, repetition is the essence of pedagogy around here. Okay. The, Dow, the Dow Jones closed just a little bit down today, just a little bit. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. But then when you go to like CNBC, it says the Dow futures for tomorrow are up kind of substantially. Right. Explain right. that one to me again, how they have okay. Dow, Dow futures up substantially tomorrow after a slightly down day today. Yeah. So after if you, the market uh, closes, think, yeah. think about the stock market. Of course, we can we can uh, see the market throughout the day that maybe the some of the major indexes, the Dow, the S&P or the Nasdaq, they're either positive or negative. Right. You see right. the red or the green. Right. right. Um, and today we did have the NASDAQ up. The S&P was, was up just a fraction, uh, but the Dow was down when it closed okay. at, at its closing time today. Okay. Now, there are still people out there maybe that are putting in orders to buy okay. uh, stocks uh, the next day. And so you have a pre-market, which is going to be some type of an indication as to how the market will open mm-hmm. the next day. Mm-hmm. And that's what that is. That pre-market is going to be showing that there are more buyers out there than sellers. So the uh, numbers are green for tomorrow okay. at the moment. Okay. But that can change. That and it's can constantly, change, too. I'm looking at it right now just since you said that. Yeah. And the Dow futures are now went from 18 up to 7, only to 17. Okay. So it fell a little bit. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just an indication of uh, what the market will be doing at the open tomorrow is it an indication that tomorrow will be a good day well i mean if if things stay this way yes if news comes in overnight about something it's very possible that the the futures could change and uh could be in the negative by the time the market opens tomorrow or it could be even better than it is right now all right. Well, I'll call yep. you on the hour every hour from midnight <laughs> to 6 a.m. Yeah, we'll just keep it open. All, we'll just all keep night the line we'll open, it. right? It's like two teenagers talking on the phone all Pre- night. Yes, yes. <laughs> I have a feeling that our conversation could could dwindle into those areas, too, of maturity. Right. Americans are still spending like there's no tomorrow is a piece in the Wall Street Journal today. Kind of interesting. Uh, interest rates are up. Inflation remains high. Uh, pandemic savings have uh, have uh, shrunk. Mm-hmm. Labor market cooling. And yet Americans spent almost 6% more in August than they did last year, well outpacing inflation. Kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah and, and I read through some of the stories that they interviewed some of these people. Yeah. And, and a lot of it had people saying, you know, I'm not going to worry about money anymore. I'm going to spend 3000 yep. 4000 10000 on this trip. Yep. One person bought $1,600 tickets to Taylor Swift. Yep. Uh, $3,500 for his bachelor party to Spain. Yep. I mean, this is, and, you know, these are people that can't afford to buy a house right. uh, in, in this one article uh, stating that the rent is cheaper than me buying a house. And, and you know what? In some cases, that could be um, what's happening out there, Seth. You know, if you've got a good tenant, if you have a, uh, a property that you're uh, a rental property and you've got a good tenant in there, you may be able to get a higher rent from that uh, unit that you own. But sometimes, you know, if you've got a good tenant, you don't necessarily raise the rate uh, as you would as if you brought a new person in. And I think in some cases I'm finding a lot of people have a very good rent right now, Seth, um, because their landlords like them and they've been a longtime tenant and they don't want to lose them because Mm -hmm. you never know uh, who you're going to get in there the next time. You know, sometimes you can have a nightmare tenant, and uh, sometimes if you've got a good tenant, you want to keep them. So, um, but yeah, there's people are spending money still as if, um, you know, the economy is super strong and uh, they're not really in any fear of, you know, living um, 
you know, maybe with a little bit less in retirement. They're mm-hmm. not even looking towards it, contributing less to retirement. I would encourage people to rethink that and um, really take a, a hard look at your budget and try to understand how you can maybe enjoy life a little bit, yes, but uh, still you want to be providing for your financial future as well because, again, uh, you know, unless your job is secure because you run your own business and you feel very confident about it, uh, the, the economy is slowing and companies are beginning to uh, cut back on hires and potentially some bigger layoffs may be coming. John, there's a lot more from this and that story that I want to do. Yes. Can we pick up on some of it again tomorrow? Yep, I'll leave it open. We'll All talk right. about it tomorrow. Yeah, and we'll, we'll be things. communicating every hour. As yes, you said. until then. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, John. You bet. Securities and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of FINRA and Sipic, and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC, and not affiliated. Go to our website, grandcanyonplanning.com. Request an appointment right there. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Sounds like we're in a Paul McCartney lane, right? We've done this, right? This is how sometimes this happens. I'll get on a kick of an artist, and, and I'll throw those. All be in I'll the throw it at you, yeah, and they'll all kind of be in the together same. nearby. Each exactly. Other. Did you hear that the Beatles are coming out with a new song? That this is there's only there's only two Beatles alive. We have half of the Beatles. We have half correct. of the Beatles. Well, apparently, uh, in the late 70s, John Lennon recorded some songs in his uh, living room yeah. on a cassette tape. Oh, no. And they're using AI to enhance the recordings. Yeah. And they're taking samples of guitar riffs that George Harrison did in the 90s yeah. before his tragic sure. death. And Ringo and Paul are going to play on it this year. Oh, that so so Ringo and Paul have bought into it. They're okay with this. Oh, yeah. They just, uh, about three days ago, Ringo said this will be the last thing ever. That's really interesting. Yeah. Because I, I was get, so the estate, do the estates, of, do the Lennon and uh, Harrison estates have a say on this? I'm sure somebody's going to get some money out of this. <laughs> no, but I mean, don't they have to approve it? The uh, Lennon and Harrison estates? I, I'm, it Maybe they have. That it already has gone through. Maybe yeah, they have. Yeah. Because that's the one of the real interesting challenges with AI, AI as fraud. A friend, our mutual friend Steve was talking about this with me about a month ago, where you can, you know, someone could theoretically tape a bunch of things or record a few tape <laughs> tape could record a few, you know, I'll, I'll, three hours of me talking, let's say, and chop up any kind of sentence they would want me to have said. <laughs> no, but this has been done. They've done this to political candidates, and they leave voicemails, and you think. Like it's Donald Trump leaving you a voicemail. He never recorded that. He you mean never to tell even me said that those sentences. Dog didn't give me a voicemail. Right, right, yes. Right. 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 Pamela Anderson didn't invite me out for dinner tomorrow Aww. night. Right. Exactly. All right. This is someone I have wanted to talk to for a long time. He's active with us on Twix. He's a loyal listener. His name is Mark. I believe he's calling. I think he listens from Georgia. Mark, are you with us? Yes, I am. Am, um, am I right? You're in Georgia? Exactly. Fayetteville, Georgia. I never get a chance to uh, listen to your program live um, because I'm on my way home and then I get to the house. But um, I listen to your podcast, so I'm usually a day or two behind. Well, you're very kind, and you've been very kind on text, uh, excuse me, on uh, on Twix, uh, <laughs> which is uh, what we call the, yeah, the new the new Twitter. <laughs> No, you've been very kind, and you had something yeah. up the other day about why dogs make us better people, or something like that, or you just said that declaratively. What did you post? Well, uh, I post um, a uh, statement 
on X Twitter um, when I see someone has lost their dog. Oh, okay. And it's a standard um, uh, statement that I make to all of them, but it's unique to each one of them because they've never seen it before because they haven't lost a pet before. Right. Um, So I say that I'm so very sorry for your loss, a lifetime of joy, a season of grief. Dogs make us better people. Uh Uh And so that's what you saw when you saw a um, post of mine on X that uh, somebody had uh, lost their dog. Okay. You with Dagny the Wonder Dog know what it's like to have a dog. Yes, I very much do. And do you have a dog yourself, Mark? Oh, yes. Um, We have a lab. This is our second lab. His name is Reagan. Um, His predecessor's name was Dutch. Oh, I love it. We got got Dutch the week that uh, Ronald Reagan died. Uh And so I carried on that tradition of uh, my wife and I naming the next one Reagan. Uh So I don't know if the next one will be Wilson or or what. Uh, (laughs) Well, not Wilson. Oh, I see. Yes, that Wilson. (laughs) Wilson as in the W between the two R's. Okay. All right. I'm with you. I'm with you. I have I have a friend who did that. I think something like that. Except I think one of them was Duke. I think they were Vishlas, and one of them was mm. Duke, and one of them was Dutch. Um, well, they do make us better people. And I've often thought, with the obvious apologies for reducing this to the point, that you know, in Viktor Frankl's famous book *Man's Search for Meaning*, he distinguishes between the two races of people: the decent and the indecent. That's the only mm-hmm. two races he thinks matters. Right. I, I've always thought that you could separate the races in humanity between dog people and non-dog people. Absolutely. I believe that, too. I don't think um, I have any I, friends who don't have dogs. I don't think I do. Or who don't at least uh, wish they had a dog. Right. We'd walk our dog at the lake. Uh, there's a lake about five miles from our house. We'd walk our dog on a daily basis out there on the path. And we come across a child um, that says, uh, can I pet your dog? And invariably, dog owners will talk to each other yeah. about their dogs yeah. and then carry on their day. Yeah. But yeah. When, a, when a child comes up and says, can I pet your dog? And, you know, they're four, five, seven years old, um, and our dog weighs 95 pounds, it can be a little bit intimidating. Yeah. Um, so um, they'll um, pet the dog, and you can see the joy in the yeah. child's face. Yeah. Yeah. And they pet him gently or stroke his back, and Reagan is very placid with, with uh, everybody, but yeah. especially with kids. And so you then carry that memory of them enjoying Reagan, and um, it just makes people, um, I think, better people. They do. Um, they, I, it totally does. You said that perfectly. You've said that beautifully. Um, I could go on and on on this. Um, and I can go on and on about Dagny. I, I, you know, I have had friends in politics who have dogs, and when we've gotten together, we never talk politics. All we do is talk about our dogs. Uh, yep. People would find it strange and boring, I suppose, if they're not into dogs. But if they're into dogs, they totally get. I've always struggled, Mark, when someone loses a dog, what to send them because I have two things I want to send them, and I usually end up doing it, and they usually end up thanking me. Um, yeah. and it's, I don't know if you're familiar with either of them, and if you're not, maybe you'll add it to your repertoire. One of them is a poem by Rudyard Kipling called The Power of the Dog. Are you familiar with yes, that Yes, I have that one, and I do send that. Yeah. yeah. That's a beautiful That's a poem. One. It is. It's a tough one. The other yep. one I send, it's a little tougher, 
It's Jimmy Stewart reading a poem on oh, the Johnny oh Carson, the yes. dog named Bo. You know it. Oh yeah, my gosh, you're, my, you're yes. my people. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I watched that about once a year just to. And you cry every time, memory. I bet, just Absolutely. as Jimmy Stewart Absolutely. and Johnny Carson cried. Absolutely. Dogs are a reflection of God's unconditional love. They really are. Save that. Uh, God oh says, you don't understand what unconditional love, I'll show you what unconditional love is. It's your dog. Oh because you know that when you go out for a run or you're gone for a week, your dog will love you and respond to you when you walk through the door. Like nothing uh, else. Like you've been gone for an around-the-world cruise, whether it's 10 minutes down to the store uh, or, again, uh, a, two, uh, uh, a five-day trip. Totally true. Gosh, you're totally right. Uh, young David here says the name for your next dog is Gipper. Good, oh, Gipper, good name. Absolutely. Thank you. Not bad. Thank you, David. Yeah. Thank you, David. Not bad. Can I briefly pivot about my dog and yeah. dogs? Yes, but I have to take a break, so bear with. Sure, sure. And on the way yeah. to the break, I'm going to tell you the best book about dogs I've ever read, and I don't know if you know it, but it's called The Inside of a Dog. Have you ever read that book? Yes. It was absolutely. on the bestseller list for years. Stay yes. with me. I'll put you on the other side. And the title, it's a professor of uh, canine studies at Columbia University. It so, explains so much about dogs and their behavior. But you'll like, David, you'll, you'll like the title where it comes from. Do you know where it comes from? The Inside of a Dog? An old Groucho Marx line where he says, Outside of a dog, a book is man's best friend. Inside of a dog, it's too dark to read. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Portions of this show are brought to you by the good people at Y-Refi. They're headquartered here locally, and they have got a great investment. It's in a portfolio that's got a high fixed rate of return up to 10.25%. 10.25% fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed, should you be concerned about a possible recession or stock market volatility. And there's a lot of freedom with this investment. Uh, You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like. If you need your money back at any time, there's no penalty. There are no fees. And it's a secure and collateralized portfolio with Y-Refi, which is a due diligence approved firm. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or call them at 888-YREFI-24, 888-YREFI-24. First time caller Mark is with us from Fayetteville, Georgia. Yes, Mark, sir, go ahead. Yes, if I can commend you through the words of my father. Um, my father was diagnosed with uh, terminal lung cancer in 1980, December 1980, and Ronald Reagan had just been elected, though he hadn't taken office yet. Um, on election night, my father turned to me and said, Well, at least I know the country will be in good hands. Oh, wow. My father died two weeks later before Reagan took the oath of office. And I'm constantly reminded of his words Mm. in this day and age. Mm. And if I think if he were able to come back and see where the country is today, Seth, I believe he would say, what have you done with what we left you? It's a powerful point. I have degrees. Yeah, go ahead. I have degrees in political science and religion, but William Buckley, Charles Krauthammer, Rush, David McCullough, William Bennett, and yourself— are my political science oh, and history mentors. Oh, dear. That's, you, know, you know, I think a lot of us were lost and adrift when Rush died. Um, but I was revived again and inspired by your guests and especially especially your daily monologue. Oh, my gosh. Um, because of your intellect and in the influence that you have over so many people that listen 
I believe this country can once again be a shining city on a hill if you are known to a much broader audience. And you know I posted that on Twitter that Rona McDaniel and the RNC need to have you as a keynote speaker at the Republican <laughs> National Convention. I am honestly sincere about that. Oh. And Bill Bennett would, I'm sure, uh, second the, the, the motion. You are too um, But again, thank you for taking my call. I know time is of the essence, but um, you, your program is such a positive influence and a noble endeavor. Well, you're just so kind. Uh, You know, I don't know how to handle words like that other than what I've been advised to and I believe we need to do more of, which is say sincerely, thank you. Mark, just thank you. You know, your education of young David brings a smile to everyone's (laughs) face. Don't don't let him become recalcitrant or refractory. (laughs) Recalcitrant. How about impudent? Oh, yeah, impudence. He, 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 he toys with impudence sometimes, too. <laughs> Mark, bless you. Do call again, please. Really. Really. Will. Thank you. Thank you very much you for bet. taking my call. You betcha. Okay. God bless. Thank you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.